Towards the end of each year, Grace City Church takes some time to revisit the sermon series that have been preached throughout the year. Jeremy just referred to that as the Rewind series. Uh, I found it interesting how the Rewind series came together this year. Uh, it reminded me of a camera uh, fully zoomed out, at least the, the first week when we were in the Gospel of John. So the, the big idea that week was to share the Gospel generously and rest in God's sovereignty. The idea of God being sovereign is, is a huge thing, right? God is in control of all of creation. Last week, we zoomed in a little bit more in the book of Ruth, and we talked about providence. So if I can remind you, the, the working definition of providence is God is always at work for his glory and the good of his people. So we went from this big idea of sovereignty and we zoomed in a little bit to providence and the good of God's people, God's chosen people. And we're going to zoom in as far as we can today and talk about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is dwelling in each and every Christian. And so it's a very personal and individual thing. So we went from this great big sovereignty down to providence and now to each and every Christian who has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So as Jeremy mentioned, this is the third and final Rewind series, and we'll be looking back at the Fruits of the Spirit sermon series that was preached in June, July, and August of this past year. If you remember this summer, that each fruit of the Spirit was a sermon unto itself. So we took all nine of them, and spent nine weeks talking about each one of them. And we didn't stay in Galatians 5 for the entire time where the fruits of the Spirit are listed. We took the specific, a specific scripture that focused on a fruit of the Spirit and dug into it that week. And today is no different. We will be in Romans 8. But before we get to Romans 8... I'm just going to give you a little recap of what has happened in the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a beautiful book. We get to hear the gospel repeatedly throughout the book of Romans as um, Paul talks. So when we think about chapter 1, uh, an overview of chapter 1 is all humanity is trapped in sin and needs to be rescued. Chapter 2, rescue won't happen by obeying the law. We prove daily that we cannot obey God's law. Chapter 3, God's righteousness has rescued the world through Jesus. Chapter 4, Paul uses Abraham as an example to show that justification is by faith alone. Chapter 5 focuses also on justification by faith Chapter 6 is our relationship with sin. And chapter 7 is the relationship with God's law. So now I'd like to invite my wife, Shibli, up to read. So hopefully everyone is in Romans. Chapter 8 will be starting in verse 9. Good morning, everybody. Um, Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. 
Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Thank you. So I have a question for the kids out there. Who knows what an escalator is? What is an escalator? Very good. Who's been on an escalator? Everybody. So good. Maybe this illustration will make sense. So an escalator essentially gets you from one point to another, right? You can think about the escalators that we have in town, maybe at Shields, on the bottom floor, all the way up to the top floor. So think about this escalator as the Holy Spirit. So on the bottom, we have people that aren't on the escalator. They're sinful, broken people, um, not allowed on the escalator because they don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. And at the top, we have Jesus where the Holy Spirit is continually sanctifying us and making us or making us more and more like Jesus. This escalator is, is more efficient, maybe faster than walking up the stairs, um, and it definitely takes or exerts less energy. So we, have, we are all at different points along this escalator as we're being sanctified, right? So some of us are very new Christians, some of us are are older and wiser, I guess, in terms of understanding Jesus. And so that's great. As long as you're on it, that's all that really matters. So we have three options when we're on this escalator. We can stand still, and the Holy Spirit can slowly sanctify us to be more and more like Jesus. We can take steps forward towards Jesus by reading our Bible by participating in discipleship relationships, going to church on Sunday, missional communities, investing in the Word and learning more about who Jesus is and who Jesus calls us to be. Now, the third option would be to turn around and take steps away from Jesus, right? So the one pitfall that I want to avoid with this illustration is that since we are Christians and have been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, we can never get off this escalator. So we cannot lose our salvation once we have been granted it. So let's dive into the passage, into Romans 8. Starting in verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So when we look at that first word, you, who is Paul talking about here? Paul's talking about Christians in Rome. He says in uh, Romans 1 verse 7 that all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So when we take a look at that second word, don't worry, I'm not going to go through each and every word. If we look at that second word and you look at the word however, uh, what is Paul doing here? He's essentially contrasting two things. Well, what two things are those? It's two groups of people. So if you look up a few verses in Romans 5, I don't think it's on the screen. Um, 
chapter 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So we essentially have two groups. We've got group one, those who set their minds on the flesh, and group two, those who set their minds on things of the Spirit. So let's define these two groups in a little more detail. We'll start with group one, those who set their minds or live according to the flesh. If you want to, you can flip over to Galatians 5, or you can just read it off of the screen. we in verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So no one wants to be defined by these characters or characteristics. None of them are flattering. In reality, they're the exact opposite of flattering. I can't imagine anyone would put one of these characteristics on a resume as they apply for a job. We ultimately don't want to be known by any one of these things. So being in the flesh has people chasing after things they want and things that will bring them pleasure. I'm going to poke at one of these just a little bit, the one about idolatry. So God made us to idolize. God made us to idolize himself. And yet we, we idolize so many other things in our life. Some of them are really good. Look at spouses, children, friendships, jobs, But when those things take priority over God, it all falls apart, right? So it's time that we set our attention and affection on God. Romans 8, a few verses up in Romans 8, also has something to do about living in the flesh. Starting in verse 5, it talks about... Get there... For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. In verse 6 it says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death. Verse 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. And verse 8 says, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So we have all those things from Galatians. We've got death, hostility, cannot please God. None of these sound great, right? Does this sound at all like a, how a Christian is supposed to live? I think it's safe to say that the people living in the flesh are not Christians at all. If you think back to the escalator, this group of people living in the flesh aren't even on the escalator. They haven't been saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Now let's take a look at group two. Those who live according to the Spirit. 
Think back to John chapter 3 and Nicodemus and Jesus are talking. And Nicodemus is a little confused about how he can enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells him that he needs to be born again. He doesn't quite understand. And Jesus says that you need to be born again by the water and the spirit. So we need to be born by the spirit in order to inherit the kingdom of God. Our ears should perk up a little bit when Jesus is speaking. Jesus is essentially telling us that, that the Holy Spirit needs to be to dwell inside of us in order for us to, to be saved. So what other things does the Holy Spirit do for us? Well, the Holy Spirit helps us understand Scripture. I can remember a time where it was hard to understand this text. And even times today, it still is hard, but he will reveal the Scripture to us if we ask him. The Holy Spirit prompts us to repent. The Holy Spirit provides spiritual growth. So if somebody would have told me five years ago that I would be leading a missional community, even entertaining the idea of being an elder or standing up here on Sunday and preaching, I would have told you you were crazy. It was not part of my plan. And my plan clearly was not God's plan. I've done my fair share of standing still on that escalator or turning around and, and indulging in sin. But the Holy Spirit has never given up on me. The Holy Spirit opens doors for me and I typically don't walk through them willingly. Often I go kicking and screaming. So the Holy Spirit helps us when we need it, not before. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. When you talk about sanctification, it's making us more and more like Jesus. We will begin to think, act, and act differently, speak differently. Our desires will be different because the Holy Spirit is living within us. We can see proof of salvation by the work of the Spirit in our lives. What proof, might you ask? Well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. None of these things come naturally to us. Our desire is to those fleshly desires that we talked about previously. We can also overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will change us from an appetite of sin into an affection for Jesus. It's safe to say that people living in the Spirit are Christians. The Holy Spirit does miraculous things in our life that we are unable to produce on our own. Now let's think a little bit about maybe some non-Christian friends that might exhibit some of these fruits of the Spirit. Let's take patience, for example. You've got a, a friend of yours that you know isn't a Christian and they're, experience, or they're exhibiting patience. Well, why might that be? Why do I need the Spirit of God if I can be like my friend and 
exhibit the same fruits of the Spirit as if you had the Spirit living in you? The short answer is common grace, right? It's an undeserved blessing from God. And we all receive those, all people receive common grace from time to time throughout their life. So even non-Christians in their heart know the difference between right and wrong. Back in chapter 2 of Romans, Paul is talking to Roman Christians and talking about how uh, the Gentiles, specifically, that, that don't know Christ and don't know God's law, still follow God's law from time to time. And it says uh, in verse 15 that they show, the work of, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. So all people know the difference between right and wrong because God has written it on our hearts. So what happens if a non-Christian fails to exhibit patience? Well, they might turn to a self-help book, How to Be a Better You. Maybe they'll pull, they'll pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Maybe take the power of positive thinking as the best approach to allow them to exhibit more patience. All of these are anti-gospel messages. It puts the onus on the individual and not on God. So what happens when a Christian fails to exhibit patience or kindness? Well, the answer is grace. So grace is being shown favor instead of the judgment that we all deserve. Now, grace isn't some get-out-of-jail-free card. It's not like we can go around knowingly and willingly sinning over and over and over again. If that's you or that's someone you know, you should probably be asking the question of whether or not you truly have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. So the Holy Spirit allows us to exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In those moments when we're tempted to sin, the power of the Holy Spirit gives us an opportunity to choose a different path. We look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be, may be able to endure it. Isn't that great news? We're tempted every day and yet God has created a path for us to avoid that. Now, are we always going to choose that path? Unfortunately, the answer is no. But that's what we have grace for. Even though we won't always say no to that sin, 
we should see visible proof in each one of our lives over time as we grow closer and closer to Jesus. Remember that we're sanctified as we're on that escalator. So we should be continually growing. So what's wrong if we're not seeing growth in these fruits of the Spirit? What if you're giving into temptation too easily? Probably need to ask yourself if the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you. What if you have a conflict with a spouse or a coworker or a friend or a family member? And your first response is to slam the door and walk out. The Holy Spirit should be providing or producing gentleness inside of you so you can choose a different path. What if you hear the gospel and it doesn't move your heart towards repentance? Again, we should probably be questioning whether the Holy Spirit is living inside of us. Only the Spirit of God can move you from being in the flesh to being in the Spirit. You might ask, how is that? Well, it's the gospel. So we need to recognize that God is perfect and holy. And that man is a sinner. And that sin separates us from God. And that sin the penalty for sin is death. Now, this doesn't sound good, right? And it's not supposed to sound good. We need to realize the weight of our sin in order to see the need for a Savior. So the good news is coming. So God loves us and wants to save us. And in his perfect plan, he sent Jesus as our Savior to die on the cross for our sins, to live a perfect, sinless life and sacrifice himself for us. Now all we have to do is believe. But we can't just believe one little bit of it. We have to believe it all. You can't pick and choose. So you have to realize the weight of your sin and realize your need for a Savior and believe that Jesus Christ was that Savior for us all. Some people we say we probably talk too much about the Spirit. Some will say maybe we don't talk enough. After defining these two groups, I would be in the, the latter camp that we don't talk about it enough. Uh, we continually need to encourage one another in the truth of the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the sin of Adam brought death into this world. Before the sin in the garden, there was no death. And after... There clearly was. God gave them 
clothing made from an animal to cover them up and sent them out of the garden. In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The good news is in the second half of this verse. So we've been declared righteous in God's eyes at the time of conversion. We now have an advocate in Jesus. When Satan accuses us of something, Jesus is there to say that this man or woman is innocent because of Jesus' death on the cross. God always does what is just and right and is faithful to his promises. Verse 11 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give your mortal bodies through his spirit, uh, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. That's good news. So if it's true that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, and it's true that the Holy Spirit lives in us, then the only conclusion is that the Spirit will raise us in the end. So there are several repeated words and phrases in these three verses. So they must be important, right? We look at verse 9, it says, in the Spirit. And it also says, the Spirit of God dwells in you. In verse 10, it says, Christ in you. In verse 11, dwells in you. His Spirit and His Spirit who dwells in you. So the dwelling place of God is a special place, right? It started out with Adam and Eve in the garden and God dwelling with Adam and Eve there. It moved on to the tabernacle in the desert when the Israelites were wandering around out there after they, they left Egypt, right? And they built a tabernacle so God could dwell with them. And in the book of Kings, King Solomon built a temple for God to dwell in. When we think about Jesus, fully God and fully man, even said that he was going to destroy this temple and raise it in three days. And now, believers in Christ have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of them. It's amazing that God loves us that much and wants to be close to us. And it's shown over and over in Scripture of how he does that. He loves us so much, he wants to be close to us, he wants to know us, and he wants us to know him. As I read through the New Testament, I was amazed at the changes in the disciples' behavior before and after the Holy Spirit came. After Jesus was taken into custody, Peter denied him three times. Didn't want to know him, didn't want to be associated with him, After Jesus' death, the disciples were hiding. They didn't know what was going to happen. 
I, I think it's fair to assume that they were feel fearful for their lives. They just killed their leader, right? We flip forward into the book of Acts, and you see Peter and the disciples boldly sharing the gospel without fear of persecution or being beaten or stoned or even death. And it didn't deter them one bit. So why the shift in behavior? The Holy Spirit. The same power is available to us. And all we need to do is believe in the gospel. So how should we respond to this? We should be thanking God for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Those amazing things that, that we've talked about are available to us. But we just have to believe and we should be very thankful that God has created this for us. Maybe you're being reminded of the Holy Spirit and you need to repent today of some sin. Maybe you've been turned around on the escalator and walking the wrong direction. That's available to you. Repent and believe. We look at verse 11. Maybe some of you have recently been touched by the death of a loved one. You should have confidence that the Holy Spirit will raise us and our loved ones. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are and how you love us. In your kindness, you sent the Holy Spirit. We as Christians get to individually experience the miraculous power, powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Help us to rely on the Holy Spirit for wisdom, sanctification, and repentance, just to name a few. Help us to boldly share the gospel without fear of persecution. Help us to rest in the truth that if we pass away before Jesus comes back for his church, we will be resurrected by the Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending Jesus to die a horrible death for our sins. Thank you for saving us by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Help all of us to grow closer to Jesus by the powerful, miraculous work of the Holy Spirit. Amen.